This is Film Tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their head. They won't know what they're looking at, but why they like it, but they'll know they want it. everyone and welcome in to episode 217 of film tank alex diegman here along with my usual friends actually my always friends but my usual co-hosts they're always my co-host oh they're great nick well, one of us is <laughs> nick cheney hey and tucson egan i really appreciate that intro it was really nice oh. I, yeah i would say the same about you you are my always friends and Okay. Always co-host. Okay, good. Yeah. Sorry, do you say something? I feel like there's some tension in the room right now. It's not coming from me. Okay. Sure. It's definitely coming from me. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, joining us uh, again for, I don't know, almost probably like the 10th time now More is our friend Anna Bodazadu. Hello. Thank oh. you so much for having me. Always. It is so good to be back here and hang out with you guys. Oh. Well, we are delighted to have you on this specific episode. Um, not that we haven't enjoyed having you on the other episodes you've been on, but <laughs> uh, I know that you have been very interested in doing an episode on this specific film that we're going to talk about today. Uh, and it'll be great because I feel like, not that you haven't liked the other movies, but seem very passionate about this one. So I'm excited to hear you talk about it. I'm very excited too. And let, let it be noticed, um, it was brought up before we had all viewed this film. Um, I had brought this up as a joke to Alex quite some time ago and... Here we are. So. But that's okay, because sometimes... First of all, we take jokes very seriously <laughs> here at Film Tank. Absolutely. And second of all, there's no such thing as a joke suggestion when it comes to movies. As here we are. As I've Doing learned. That's right. As we've yeah. learned. Yes. Wonderful. So the film we're going to be talking about that is not a joke for this episode is the Reese Witherspoon film Legally Blonde. Which came out in 2001, 2002, somewhere in there? 2001. Yeah. Anna did make mention that this was a pre-9-11 film, and I do think that's important in the context of some of the sociopolitical things that are happening in this movie. It's mm. <laughs> just such a bad frame of reference for certain films, but I feel like the no, context it is warranted makes, here. It's just, makes it's, a lot of sense. It's just really interesting to see it jump forward two years no. after, and it's like, and the tone hasn't changed at all, and it's just like, maybe... I, I don't know. Here's the does thing. The, does the sequel acknowledge 9-11? Oh, it's called Red, White, and Blonde. You tell me, Tucson. No, does it, though? I've 
don't remember. I don't remember. I saw it in the theaters, yeah. but okay. that's the last time I saw it. All right. Uh, no, I make jokes, Anna. However, that is an actual like school of media study of what we call post nine eleven fiction. Oh my like, god! So it's even not things just that are not darkly no. making it. No, 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 no. Like, Certain films, <laughs> even things that are not like like explicitly about politics or military, right. or whatever. Yeah. Have a distinct. Uh, I don't know if you want tone. to call it or tone or yeah. whatever. Yes. That are. Post 9-11, so to speak. Yeah. Dang. So, yeah. Wild. Anyway. So, no, Cloverfield is a post 9-11 monster movie. So, uh, before we get started, I know um, a few of us have some things they want to talk about. Uh, not necessarily like a formal weekend review or anything like that. But, um, so the first thing I wanted to mention, um, as we previously talked about a famous person's death on this podcast before as we talked about Prince's death uh, a few years ago. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 2016? I think, I think David Bowie's death as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Abbas Karastami? That's true, too. Sorry, I just wanted to mention a death that I got to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Go dead, people. Yeah. So uh, this past week, uh, a very influential NBA player, Kobe Bryant, unfortunately died as uh, he was killed in a helicopter crash along with eight other people, uh, including his daughter, uh, Gianna. So I very much wanted to make mention of this on the podcast because this is our show. So sometimes whatever, just get to sound off about random things that are happening in pop culture. So I have a very much had a very much love-hate relationship with Kobe Bryant because I found him to be a pretty, I don't want to say fascinating, but interesting figure because of the way that his career went in the NBA because he was a very, very good basketball player. I think that's something that's like really kind of being missed out now on a lot of this because a lot of different media outlets and I understand why, are completely focusing on the human element of his death. But it's interesting to me because everybody I've talked to, whether it be friends or coworkers or anything, all anybody wants to talk about is his basketball career. And I'm the same way. And I feel like it's really interesting the way that people view anyone who they see in a public figure type way. Um, So... Whenever I think about Kobe Bryant, and I think that this is what's very interesting about his death, and I'm saying interesting because I have been interested and I thought I've found um, the events surrounding um, pop culture's feelings about his death to be interesting because I feel like it's just so awkward because even though we've moved past it, like his rape case is still always just right there. And it's something that's just so odd to me that um, it's when somebody dies and they're a public figure who people do not have any ties to, they want to talk about, we want to celebrate him as a person. And by all accounts, he did become a much better person and he was a good public figure and was a good father to his children and a good husband and whatever. But um, I just think the whole way of it now is leaving him in such a fascinating place to look back on 10 years from now, because Mm. not only was he one of the top 
10 to 15 best basketball players of all time. He also had a very high profile rape case that he um, basically admitted his guilt after the trial was dropped. He admitted, um, I, I think it was part of, I shouldn't even be speaking about this because I only learned about it after the fact. And I actually read an article about like, you know, sort of unpacking mm-hmm. the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was basically that he settled the uh, situation out of court. But one of the stipulations was that he had to make a public admission about um, the nature of it. And basically he now, admitted to it just short of like admitting to a crime. So here's the thing that where it gets really murky. So he, uh, the criminal trial was dropped right. because she refused to testify. Yeah. And then the civil suit was settled out of court and then had his um, basically... Her identity was leaked. Yeah, but it yeah, it was very, very... Um, looking back on it, it does not feel right. Like, it feels like something, something, something's off there. There's a very prominent public figure who is using influence to move on and then you know people just kind of time does its thing and we and move on and, and whatever his defense team uh basically released a bunch of smears about this girl and yep. then also leaked her um mm-hmm. her identity which mm-hmm. only fueled that mm-hmm. sort of which was what fueled the the decision to not carry on the criminal case yeah and it's um i feel like this was 2003, 2004, so in 2020, I'd like to think that this would have gone differently, but I don't really know about that. Nope. Uh, so, fast forward, I still, years later, watched the Laker games and enjoyed watching Kobe Bryant and liked watching him as a person, and I feel like we've had this conversation many times before on this podcast as we've talked about Roman Polanski sometimes at length on this podcast about separating an artist from an art art from the artist uh and it's hard when it's professional sports because you're literally watching that person doing that thing not like a director or a painter or something yeah like there's that. almost another uh level there because instead of it being art which I think <clears throat> often is very qualitative sports while everyone has their own favorite player, their own whatever mm-hmm. is quantitative. You, you know, you have literal stats to back it up. And when you have talent, it is there for you to read uh, on the scoreboard and whatnot. So I, I know what you're, what you're saying. Yeah. So it was, it was, a you know, it was always hard for me because, I mean, and also too, like that was not at like OJ level, but he was playing in games in other states after his trial that same day in yeah. Colorado. So it was like the media was surrounding it, and it was a big deal at the time when it was happening, obviously before social media, smartphones, all that. Yeah. Uh, but I just find um, this is just another unfortunate layer into his story that's going to further keep his or make him an even bigger legend i feel like which is something that is unfortunately true with people who who die um much before their their time is should be up uh, but I, I just find it and i i guess it's really terrible to look at it like this since uh, you know him and eight other people died in this helicopter accident mm. but i just find it to be like almost like 
blowing my mind that like looking back on it, he's one of the greatest players ever. He had this high profile sexual assault rape case and he died young. Like yeah. those those things are always going to be fighting with each other of what's what's yeah. he known for. Right. So And I gotta say, as someone who has a largely probably left leaning <clears throat> excuse me. Uh left leaning liberal uh I don't know, group of followers or people I follow mm-hmm. on social media. There was a lot less people than I thought there would be that were essentially bringing up that case. It was a lot more just straightforward celebration, which I'm not saying is wrong or right, you know, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I guess I just thought it was actually going to be slightly more skewed the other way because of the era that we're in, to the point where I was actually just kind of genuinely surprised. And now it could be because most of the people that spoke on it in the wake of his death were sports fans. Mm-hmm. And for that, I completely understand. And also, they're not wrong in any sense of the... I, I was going to do a big post about it on Facebook, and I decided not to. Um, and not because I was going to have it totally be about his oh, rape yeah. case. Right. But at the same time, I just did not want to put yeah. that out there. I... Um, so it's 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 a it's a really... It's a really weird spot, I feel like. And the other thing is, too, I've never loved Kobe Bryant as a player. So maybe that's part of it where I'm just like, meh. But at the same time, I I just feel like the whole thing is just crazy to me. As a non-sports fan, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that there was such a large Kobe following outside of the pairing of Kobe and Shaq. Like, I didn't know. I always thought that that was the thing, so Mm -hmm. to speak, when I... Like I said, non-sports fan, so I was not sure. watching or whatever. But when I heard people talk about it back in the day, I always heard of it. People talk about the two of them in the same way people talked about, you know, uh, Jordan and Scottie Pippen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I wouldn't expect if Scottie Pippen died. Now, I would expect if if he passes away that people would, you know, celebrate him and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I don't know. This feels like a Michael. Jordan level, yeah. I mean, he was reaction a very influential and um, he's a very good player, very influential player. Was definitely one of the best players through the entirety of his career, and you know, is is going to be thought of just that way. Uh, but at the same time, man, I, f- I feel like I brought up Polanski. Like, I feel like, and it's a little bit different because he's, you know closing in on living a full life here not like yet but he's looks like he will die an old man <laughs> at some point but their their if, situations are not entirely dissimilar because he was charged but he did not serve his actual like sentence but he like the difference being that it, it's 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 it feels like an apples to orange situation in such a way because even though they both like involved sexual assault like at least as fucked as it sounds at least kobe actually made a public statement about it and tried to make an admission of fault in sort of a way even if it was one that that just artfully um existed just outside of the lines of like criminal culpability that it was sort of like designed in that way was kobe's family murdered by the manson i'm saying that it's not that's i'm not <laughs> that's saying why, it's, no i comparing, know and i'm always that's throwing I'm that saying. out there because of the fact that that's why it it, it is apples it's, it's apples to oranges because even if it the in actuality there's a lot of other none of this shit play. matters right they no. both did something right. sure they both i would say 
clearly did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And one of them only left the country because he couldn't stay in the country. I fully believe that if Kobe had to leave the country, he would have had the resources and wealth to make that happen. Absolutely. And yeah. would have done it. And then yeah. continue his career elsewhere, which yeah. is exactly what Roman Polanski the, the only difference on. was, I guess, because Polanski was an underage person. Um, yeah. So, and that's a, but that's the thing. I don't think Am- Americans necessarily care more about that person so much as we have these arbitrary hierarchy of, well, if it's underage, not that that's a good thing or anything like that, but then that's quote unquote worse. And if they're over overage, if they're over the age of consent, well, <laughs> then you know what? We can still say it's wrong, but probably she still kind of asked for it. I was going to say in the sports arena, especially. Um, there is a legion of people who would like to put pressure on the victim saying she's just after money, this kind of thing. Um, where, where I was really going with the Polanski comparison, though, is that I feel like if he were to die when he was 50, like let's just say he was 50 or whatever, and he were to pass away, could you have a piece written about him and not comment. No, um, absolutely not. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's what's interesting about it. I agree with you that and that's kind of what I noticed where I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. just not wanting to bring it up. And I don't think it was in any way cowardly or anything like that. But it it perplexes me in the age of Me Too, which is in no way the definitive error on sexual assault. If we ever have one, then we will have quote unquote solved the problem, but we at this point still haven't or anything like that. So it's not so much that I think that, um, you know, you know, we've arrived, but the idea that we're through the looking glass in, in at least one sense, uh, uh, I was slightly surprised that not only were so few outlets reporting on it, but also that there was the most controversial thing that happened was the one, a writer who did tweet about it Mm -hmm. and was suspended for like a day because I think it was either the Washington or the Huffington Post. I'll look it up later on in this episode. I think it was the Washington Post. Washington Post, uh, where the editors were like, you can't tweet about that because that's wrong. And then like a day later, they're like, no, that was okay. We just had to investigate what she tweeted. You couldn't have just read it? Yep. So so anyway, yeah, no, I'm with you that it's a very weird... uh, I just can't believe there hasn't been that many articles that have mentioned it. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, and as I will say that I, it's not that I, I believe it more than you do because it is, I feel like, unable if you're talking about like commenting on someone's social and public figure life, it's impossible to not acknowledge that this by the way he's known for being a good basketball player and also this uh and it just it just like like not commenting on it is such a like old way of like well we don't talk about things like that like you should because um this was a really, really awful time, and it shows just how that system is still in play. And Imagine they, being that person, you yeah. know, that victim and that victim's family and that victim's friends, to see this and to see so little mention. Uh, when it was so high profile, the idea that it was that high profile so many years before a movement like Me Too mm-hmm. s- speaks volumes as to how 
big it was as far as between the two of them and, and how high profile it got um, to where even I remember hearing about it and mm-hmm. reading about it. And yet somehow, <clears throat> somehow it, you know, in the aftermath of these last few years that it wouldn't even merit a mention. I was going to say, for most people talking about it, and it, if you talk about people who were like close friends with him and family, it does make sense. But for people in the media or just fans to just completely be like, nope. Celebrities were tweeting things like it. it, And it is one thing to say something like what a great basketball player, Mm -hmm. what a talent, you know, whatever. But celebrities were tweeting things like I've never known a more kind and generous soul. And it's like, well, whether that's true or not, that is not the, that is not, representative of the totality yes. of the public face of who Kobe Bryant So what became. else are what else mm-hmm. to be to be perfectly frank what else are they supposed to tweet in that sort of situation because uh, the way that I see Nobody it, has ever the way, been a legend in his career like the way, him or the way that I see this is that there are a lot of people who he that knew him in person and knew him personally and we're speaking from that that like that experience I understand that from an outsider looking in that it looks really suspect to not even like square that when sort of the equation but there were a lot of fucking moving parts that were happening on fucking Sunday I had to check out because at one point they were reporting that all of his family was mm-hmm. dead and I just figured you know what I'm just gonna wait to read about it when everybody actually knows what the fuck they're doing because TMZ oh. and all this other shit is really fucked up. There's, like, three major parts in this. It's like he had a high-profile, like, sexual assault case in 2003 that was settled out of court that he made an admission to. He was one of the most colossal, like, basketball players of his generation for his location and was, was a hero to a lot of people in his hometown. And the, and the third and final piece, I think, is that he died in what is probably one of the most spectacularly grim situations of a of a of a of a celebrity in recent memory where he dies in a fucking like helicopter accident along with seven other people including his 13 year old daughter how do you fucking thread the needle on that in a fucking tweet you can't you can't but the people attempt to do and i'm sorry but if you make the attempt then you open yourself to analysis and uh if That's he, why I just didn't tweet anything because one, I have no fucking whoa. personal investment in yeah, in Kobe. I'm talking about celebrities, in, in Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you don't have to get everybody, so defensive. Everybody is 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 fucking tweeting. <laughs> Everybody's fucking basketball. talking about this shit. Everybody's fucking yelling at it, yelling about it. It's it just it's like sometimes it's just better to not. When I agree, and that's <sighs> what I was pointing out in the sense that if you can't articulate, I would say something that is more true to a. I, I'm sorry, but a, a agreeable uh, version of the truth, then maybe just don't tweet at all. Like, and that's kind of what I was trying to say. I'm, because- I I I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like, since when the fuck? When was the last time that somebody like was on Twitter and gave a second thought to what they were about to tweet about a major like event that was going on? Okay. Um, We're conditioned by those same platforms just to just say the first thing that comes on our our fucking heads. We just reduce it to a fucking aphorism. Yeah, I, just because people necessarily don't always do that doesn't mean that we can't uh, aspire to that or want better of people. That I, will, I, I guess will... I just I have a lower. I I just I guess you have a higher standard of people on Twitter than I do because I just I'm I, I, I see I see that I'm just I think, not going to accept it. That's fine. Hmm. Yeah. So. 
Going off of what Toussaint is talking about, though, I will say I unfortunately, and I feel stupid for this, but I fell victim to the uh, all of his daughters were in the helicopter thing. As did I. And I will say, I will say, probably everybody did. Yeah, I I I didn't tweet anything, but I read about it. Yeah, and I I, I, I texted you guys, and I think I texted a couple other friends. I was like, shit, like look at this. But here's the problem, and this is where it gets really murky for me, at least, is that. And this is getting to a whole different topic, so we will get off this because we have a whole episode to do, and you guys have other things you want to talk about. But I just want to say this because I was thinking about it, and it was oh, really annoying like me. Join this, okay? It was really annoying me uh, afterwards, and that is something where there is this idea that if an account has a blue check mark by it, it has to be fact because they are a verified source, and if it's a news station with a check mark, you, I at least up until Sunday, thought that they were checking sources before just tweeting whatever, and yet the ABC affiliate in Los Angeles tweeted out this. And I'm just like, holy shit, how how are you, like, is are you just so desperate for clicks in this horrible situation where clearly your news station is going to get plenty of coverage on this no matter what. It's how high-profile grief functions on social media where something breaking, I think it's more about something breaking s- happens and everybody wants to have their word in. I don't understand why the fuck that is, but it's just it's like a fucking sinkhole and everybody wants to just dive in. I think it's, it's more about the problem with where we honestly are right now where this is like a large part of our political problems not entirely but this idea that there is a whole legion of people out there who are not just like me who during this like got blindsided by just saying oh this looks real like there are people out there who see anything from a source that they believe is reliable and they take it as fact and they live their lives by that and it's just like like why are people so fucking bad ah I don't know. That's a total sidebar from where I was, but it really infuriated me on Sunday because I was part of the problem because I was then fueling this fire and telling people, oh, I guess maybe all of his family dies. That's terrible. And afterwards, I'm just like, that's so stupid. Like, why wouldn't I just wait and find out the facts about it but i thought i knew that that's fine it's fine it's i was so the never the never ending debate and journalism getting it first or getting it right well so in the age of social media that is well, yeah. ballooned <laughs> right. and skyrocketed and microscoped and that whole thing but yeah. if you get it first and you're wrong it doesn't matter exactly yeah so at least you try it yeah yeah no i mean uh I won't go off on that, but uh, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, but those are most of them. Okay. Well, um, that went on for way longer than I thought it was going to, so sorry about that. No, don't uh, apologize. I just wanted to never apologize. Oh, okay. For for anything. Especially. Even if you're wrong. Okay. Now I uh again I it's uh you know really really it is pretty unfortunate and sad that that all of that played out the way it did no, no matter who it was. Um but yeah, I just wanted to give my thoughts and 
I did like Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, and grew to like him more as I watched him play further on in his career. And um, maybe he was a good person, but I didn't know him. All I knew about him was he was a good basketball player and probably did some bad things. Yep. So, yeah. so moving on, uh, you guys both had something you wanted to mention, so I don't know who wants to go first, but take it away. I'll go first. <laughs> um, well... Speaking of uh, microaggressions on social media, uh, I have started watching a televisual project (laughs) on the company streaming site known as the Netflix. Uh, There is a new show on Netflix based off of a property out of the UK. Uh, it's a reality show called The Circle. I've been seeing a lot about this. Yes, Continue. and I okay. finally succumbed to trying it out. Ooh, I have to too. Okay. Is that and based us. on that movie? No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm actually. I mean, I know it's about book. social okay, media, so was... but it's not about that at all. It's not about that concept no. at all. It's a yeah. totally different thing. I'm actually right. reading that book. Okay, aside, I'm reading yeah. that book, and the book is like way better, and there's like way more sex in it. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Fun fact about that <laughs> yeah, thank book. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> uh, fun fact about that book. Yes. Uh, by what's his name? Dave Eggers. Yeah. yeah. Um, randomly, in that book, I only know this because we I work at a library, and we did a uh, we do a book discussion every month. Mm-hmm. One one month it was that book, like four or five years ago. Uh, randomly in that book, St. Charles, because it does take place in Illinois, and St. Charles, for anyone who doesn't know, I guess you can look me up and kill me if you want, but <laughs> I live in St. Charles. Randomly, St. Charles is name-checked in that book. And it is. We, I noticed that. We wrote to the author as librarians to ask if that was like made up or if he actually, you know, and he goes, no, I stopped in St. Charles when I was in Illinois, so Aww. of course I wanted to mention it. And That's we were so like, cool. Anyway, that is so cool. It is adorable. Hmm. So, The Circle, the reality television program, <laughs> is a show on Netflix now, and it is basically what you think it is in the sense that it is a reality contest in which uh, strangers go to live for a period of time and engage in a popularity contest for cash prize, right? However, the strangers do not live together. They live in separate apartments, and they will never meet each other face-to-face, and they can only interact with each other through the circle which is the de facto made up for the show social media website and i gotta admit i think this is fascinating it is reality television so if you're just turned off by that in general it is not reinventing the wheel um however i do think reality television as a genre has its merits uh like there's a gluttony of horrible reality television programming but the actual kind of 1% that's actually making good use of that kind of mode is worthwhile. And I think this is actually one of them. Um, the weird fascination I have with it comes from two things, which is that one, you, if you think about the concept of the show and when you watch it, it, it is so bizarre to me that a show is actually making it because it is getting kind of a lot of buzz online um, when no character is talking to each other. Every character, obviously, I should say every person, but every person has to talk to the camera or, in a very smart move, uh, the circle, the social media site, is voice activated. They don't get keyboards, so they have to say their messages to the TV and whatnot. So everything is spoken out loud, but it's it's at this weird distance where no one's actually having conversations you know, to each other at, so much as at each other. And I got to admit, 
I'm very much digging it. Uh, the weird micro judgments that everybody is making based off of these little things, I think are actually on point. I don't know that the show in and of itself is out to say something about social media so much as it just inherently does say something about users of social media. I mean, you know, you take one sentence and a different emoji can change uh, can change the entire context of that sentence. If it's a smiley face, it's a friendly, compassionate thing. If it's a winky face, now it's become flirtatious. And the way the other characters are... <laughs> I always say characters because I know that reality television is scripted to a degree. But I don't think that makes it actually worth uh, worthless. I actually think most reality shows should be scripted because reality itself is fucking awful in hell. Um but uh, I agree. But the the uh, contestants, you know, when they read into these uh, moments, uh, I'm like, you know what? This is weirdly fascinating because on the one hand, there's a game, you know, uh, to quote Sherlock Holmes, a game is afoot. And so it's like on the one hand, while I do think they're being hyper vigilant about everything, on the other hand, that's actually what we're doing day to day. Um, you know, their first task is to choose one profile picture. And after that, uh, they'll add later, they'll add other ones, like one new one, maybe every three days. But the way that that piecemeals makes every picture count. And literally, someone goes home in the very first episode because of the picture they chose, if not subliminally. It's not like they were like, oh, we hate that picture. But if she had chosen a different picture, she probably could have saved herself. Uh, and I know that sounds weird, but I'm just trying not to spoil exactly what happened. Um, and it's fascinating. Two out of the eight people that start the show are actually catfishers because you are allowed to be someone you're not. Um, you can use other people's pictures if you know them and have the, you know, because, and, uh, for example, one guy is like, you know what, hot girls online get more attention, so therefore I'm going as my girlfriend, who is an attractive lady, you know what I mean? So he's putting up her photos and pretending to be her, uh, you know, whatnot. And I, I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think it is only, it's only 12 episodes long. It's already over, you know. Um, so it's not like a huge, and it's on Netflix, so you can watch the whole thing now. It's not a huge time commitment, but you could do much worse if you've ever wanted to dip your toes in the reality television pond than the circle and clearly netflix is a fan of this now because not only did they green light the season they've already renewed it for a second season and they're going to start adding other countries uh seasons uh, that they're doing like the circle france and the circle which i probably will eat up even more than the regular uh u.s season because i'm always fascinated by like when i hear about like big brother brazil or something you know so um yeah the circle i think is honestly watch the first episode and if you're not hooked by the end of the first episode because there is a cliffhanger which i never thought i would be actually hooked by on a reality tv show but it did work on me mm. if you're not hooked by that then it's probably not for you but try to get past the first 30 minutes because they have to go through about 25 to 30 minutes of introductions of all the characters in a way that no other reality show usually has to because usually the characters can do like a one-minute introduction and then introduce themselves to the character, the other people. But because they can't quite go into monologues and whatnot, they have to get all of that out of the way first. So anyway, uh, The Circle is on Netflix. I highly recommend giving it a chance because... I find it very weirdly soothing to watch. Hmm. Very well. Tucson. I've been watching uh, The Outsider on HBO. Oh, as have I. Because I still have my uh, HBO account after Watchmen. I figured, yeah, I might as well watch what else. 
whatever else comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some good shows that are coming out this year. There's Westworld, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh my god, Aaron Paul is going to be in this season. Yes, he is. Um, they have it. It's got uh, Jason Bateman. It's got Ben Mendelsohn, and it's got uh, this one actress. What's her name? Cynthia and Erivo. Oh yes, from um, Here uh, Revio. Yeah, Cynthia. Yeah, she's from um, uh, uh, Bad Times of the El Royale. Yes. Amongst yes, other things. yes, 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 yes. She um, was also in that movie. I think she was in the movie Widows. Yeah. Yep. That's and right. uh, she was Harriet. Yeah. That's Tubman. True. Yeah, that... In Harriet. Tubman. <laughs> Pause, Tubman. Yeah. It's only uh, <laughs> four episodes, and it's a limited series because it's actually based on Stephen King's novel, that's supernatural, like murder thriller, uh, The Outsider. Um, it's a slow burn, but I'm actually enjoying the slow burn for it is right now, just because it's just so um, grotesque and enthralling in like sort of the details of it. And mm-hmm. I just uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it culminates because I think that uh, Cynthia's character is really fascinating, and it's like all the the main characters are really cool. Um, yeah. Is this a planned limited series? Or yeah, is this, it's planned. Is? It's it's just ten episodes. Um, uh, Nick is I not so sure. Think I've heard rumblings that that's what they're calling it for right now. Mm. However, I don't think that I don't know. Um, it, it, anything can go for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow upped it for another season. I mean, as long as like it's so far, I can only I can only say that off of the first four episodes that I've watched, it looks really good. And I'm looking forward to like I I I just find myself watching yeah. the new episode when it comes out. I don't like look forward to it, but I'm like, oh, new new outsider episode. It's like I'll watch that. Um, and if you know if depending on what they do at the end of this season, if they want to like pick it up for another one, I'm like, so far I'm I'm in. Yeah, I, I gotta say I have been watching this as well because of my boy Ben Mendelsohn, and I love him and he's great in this. Yeah. And I gotta say one of my favorite things about this show is that they released the first two episodes, or actually they aired the first two episodes uh, together. They did know, on the same night. Oh, and I actually think that was a smart decision. Because the show that it becomes in the second episode is not the show that starts out Mm -hmm. in the first episode, even though the first episode is good and engaging. Um, And I'm very excited to see where it's going to go from here. I think it definitely has a very good uh, visual palette. I feel like we're we're just now, at least at this point, learning about the the killer's nature and modus operandi. Yeah. So like that, that's something that I'm looking forward to them going more, more into. Yeah. It's a very good, uh, police procedural that still happens to have very eerie supernatural, uh, underpinnings basically. And it's not hammy or anything. It's like, it's, it's very stark. It's very, um, it's very good. It's not what I usually expect from a uh, a Stephen King adaptation, unfortunately. But it's 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 I good. Agree. Yeah, good stuff. Anna, do you have anything you want to talk about, or are you you ready to dive right into Legally Blonde? I'm ready to dive right into All Legally right. Blonde. Excellent. Thank you for asking. Oh yeah. So uh, this movie, as I mentioned, you and you mentioned in more detail that you'd said it to me as a joke, pretty much. <laughs> so and I, I've got to say, and maybe this comes from my years of hanging around with Nick, but 
shouldn't say something if you don't really mean it because I was like, you, we should do an episode on this if this is something you actually like. And by all accounts, you love this movie. <laughs> you don't? Of course I do. It's well, just, there you go. No, well, it's just, it's so funny because you're saying that, like, because you could obviously tell that I love it. I, like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> but you shouldn't discount your, your love of it. You shouldn't say, I, oh, this is a stupid movie or whatever. Like, mm-mm. you should you should actually love it and, and I do. talk passionately about yes. it and think passionately about it. So I'm glad we're doing an episode on it. And I will say, I know myself and Toussaint. Uh, had not really, I had not seen this in many years. I know Toussaint had never seen it before, and Nick, I don't know how many times he's seen it, but he had not seen it very, you know, recently. I saw it all the time when I was a, you know, back when it came mm-hmm. out, but mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't seen it in probably a decade. Yeah. I feel like the vibe was really positive, so I think you're in pretty good shape. So, uh, the film Legally Blonde surrounds Elle Woods, a fashionable sorority queen who is dumped by her boyfriend. She decides to follow him to law school. While she is there, she figures out that there is more to her than just her looks. Okay. So, uh, the film was directed by Robert Lukatich believe uh his name is and he's got a real unfortunate career because he directed the movies 21 uh also the movie killers with uh katherine heigl and ashton kutcher back when katherine heigl was kind of a thing oh my god and speaking of katherine heigl he also directed the ugly truth with katherine heigl and gerard butler which Hmm. uh i heard was just terrible so there you go so, uh, this film stars Reese Witherspoon as Elle Woods and also features Luke Wilson, Selma Blair, uh, Matthew Davis as Warner, uh, and then features some other people as well, including Victor Garber, Jennifer Coolidge, Holland Taylor, and also Allie Larder, who shows up as uh, the woman who needs defending. Her uh, character's name is Brooke Taylor Wyndham. So, Anna, I think you have to start us off and tell us all about your feelings on Legally Blonde because I really do like how much you like it, and I think that's awesome. Uh, And there are not many movies that I, at least on a regular basis on this podcast, I'm like, I'm so excited that you guys are watching this. I'm more like, I'm going to force you guys to watch this, So, and then we're going to do an episode on it, and you're all going to just look at me in disgust. So go ahead. Alrighty. Well, thank you for passing the baton, which you should get. Um, I, I should get a physical baton, and yes. then we'll get passed oh, around. It'll be speaking really speaking stick. Yes, the talking stick. Um, firstly, I would like to say thank you to you all for um, agreeing to do an episode on this and watching it um, together. Well, you are welcome, but you never have to thank us for that. <laughs> well, I want to. Well, that's sweet. So, okay. Legally Blonde, where do I begin? So, um, my personal frame of reference is that I feel like I watched this movie constantly when I was younger. I know this was a film that was shown on TV all the time. Uh, I can't really think of, like, the particular channels, but, um... It was just on TV constantly, and then I have a VHS copy at home, and it just... It always was, like just kind of in my film conscience, so to speak. Um, 
like there are just some things in this movie that are so unforgettable. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. Um, ammonium thiglacolite. Uh, it goes on and on. What and- was that one quote from the the sort of introduction circle where the lady says she was leading the the group like lesbians against drunk driving or something like that? Yes, lesbians against drug. <laughs> lesbians against drug driving that's yeah you're talking about like the character that says that yeah like that talks about herself i'm I'm talking about that line yeah yes just like that that stuck out to me they're against it too i I mean yeah it was just like it's just like why why a group explicitly like okay well that's fine yeah i'm sure yeah so um as and now as we watched this evening it's just so funny the things that flew over my head as i was older Mm. now i understand so much when i was younger now i understand so much better now that i'm older and it is so great speaking as resident woman tm um resident woman (laughs) i just read that in the resident evil like voice resident woman tm with a bunch of a bunch of men um Thank you. <laughs> this movie is this this film is so good to me because mm-hmm. some elements I will agree didn't age the best. There are some stereotypes in here that aren't great. They're a little bit cringy, but I think overall this is how I see it. We get the start in the beginning like very clear the bookends in this movie I think are great. Elle Woods is a person who is a sorority girl, fashion merchandising major, wants to go to Yale specifically to win back her boyfriend. Yeah. Who she wants to be her fiance so badly. Mm. Never loses sight of her self-awareness, is always a good person, is always there for her friends, makes friends everywhere she goes, and on the brightest side of things, does not care and focuses on her goals and not hurting others. And I think that is so gosh darn inspiring. Mm. I feel like to some degree, this is what Mean Girls thinks it wants to be. I think this just takes the cake in the type of film that is just so powerful and meaningful because it moves the trope on its head of a dumb blonde and granted unfortunately i don't think it's new but you don't have to be a ruthless and cutthroat you don't have to be a bad person we see here that it turns out warner shows his true colors his entire time when he says l just think about yourself who cares about so and so when l actually gets the alibi from ellie larder's character It is just so inspiring to see a person who is not afraid to be themselves and still work hard to be successful to get exactly what they want. And that's why I love this movie so much. Um, uh, It definitely made me not be afraid to be super nice to people that I don't even know. It made me not afraid to um, interact with others in a professional setting. I was personally just at a conference where I had to go into a room of people that I didn't know and only emailed a few of them and tried my best to be like, hi, I'm this person. I work at this company. Um, And pretty much this is what Elle Woods does the entire film. She makes 
friends with people who immediately brush her off because they just take a look at her optics and say she's not good enough for law school. She dresses in these loud colors. She's from Los Angeles and she doesn't care. She takes Bruiser into her dorm and says, oh, don't worry, Bruiser. Everyone's going to like you. While everyone is very clearly staring at her in her huge U-Haul. No one else has that, obviously. They already um, moved in. Yeah, they, I mean, I guess they were already moved in. They, but... had, they had rider trucks. and it's just it's so wonderful everything about this movie it just it makes me so happy and um i feel like this is quotable to no end i feel like it inspires uh people uh, i guess women specifically but i ideally this i hope this inspires lots of people to uh go exactly for what they want and just you know offer help be kind and be yourself so i love that Anyone yeah. else want to go? Yeah. yeah, no, I, uh, I, I also was a fan. I mean, I didn't love this movie, but I also thought it was pretty good. Um, I thought that this did, looking at this era of films, and we talked about it being a pre nine eleven film. Um, a lot of these movies, even they though <laughs> a lot of these movies and their in their <laughs> tropes and some of their dialogue is is not amazing. Um, and this film certainly isn't as guilty as something like Can't Hardly Wait or something like that. Or even like Rat Race we talked about uh, in the last episode where it's got moments <laughs> that you just look back and you're like, oh, no. But uh, even though there is a little bit of that here, this still has this like really era-specific feel of people having a good time, learning lessons... Uh, has a lot of bright colors in this and not just because of her outfits but like a lot of the set design a lot of the lighting in this feels warm it feels like people are having a good time Uh, people are having meaningful experiences and it just has more of a bright outlook on things i feel like a lot of films of this era had that feel to them maybe that's just because these are what I remember watching then and I was 13 years old and I had my whole life in front of me and all that shit. But at the same time, <laughs> looking back on it, a, I don't feel like we get, shaking his head. we get a lot of films like this and the films we do get like this in the current era are definitely a little more grounded, unfortunately, in reality, whatever that is, because whatever that is anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's, Reality not. these days just means grim, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is not actually, you know... Fucking Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I mean, no, but it's true in the sunset, like, even, like, the romantic comedies or whatever. Like, well, I won't go off on a tangent, but, like, even the ones who are trying to be, shall we say, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I was going to say woke or whatnot, which is an admirable thing to be if you're striving to be... Socially conscious. Yeah. Um, However, it also, I think, sometimes mistakes a sour attitude, uh, which, if you're going to make a romantic comedy, is not always the greatest approach. Kind of antithetical to a, a romantic comedy. Yeah. There should be some kind of, I think, dissolution there. Yeah. I've liked a lot of her work throughout her career, but I do feel like 
Reese Witherspoon was doing her best work in this era because I think she's fantastic in the movie Election as well, which came out a couple of years before this. I would put that, this, and Walk the Line as her three greatest roles. Yep. Ooh, I agree with you. Yeah. Walk the Line is one of my favorite movies. It's a great movie. Yep. So I was a fan. Uh, again, I didn't love this, but I also thought this was pretty, pretty good and definitely a good time to watch um, with with friends and I'm sure by yourself too. It would just be a you can watch it by moment. yourself. It's okay, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to whoever wants to go next. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, Physical baton coming your way. Oh, it's <laughs> heavy. <laughs> um, I watched this. I want to say I may have seen this in theater if i didn't i saw it when it came out on video like day one for whatever reason and Mm. i watched it countless times after that i had the dvd i watched it numerous times i remember as a child i had a fascination with um courtroom drama and yet almost all of the john grisham adaptation bored me because i was a child or whatever you didn't run away jury actually i did like that one yeah um but uh legally blonde was gene hackman Yes. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, anyone else in that movie before we... Well, Gene Hackman's the only one that... I... Well, actually, uh, what's his name? Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And, John Cusack. Uh, John Cusack, yeah. Yep. And yeah. Rachel Weisz. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Here we go. Sorry about that. No. So, uh, but here comes Legally Blonde, who, uh, I should say the movie, approaches... Legally Blonde, who, the person. The per- like Citizen King and Legally Blonde, the power couple. No. Um, but this movie just approaches that, not, not that it's a straightforward courtroom drama, but obviously legal, uh, themes are abundant, but it has that kind of, uh, fun with that genre in a way that had not really been done, uh, before and really since. Um, but I am a big fan of this movie, actually. I definitely was skeptical on as to whether it was going to hold up, uh, since I had last seen it and it totally does, um. Elle Woods is definitely, I think, one of the iconic female-empowered characters in all of cinema. I mean, I just don't think that's in question whether you like the movie or not. This was a cultural touchstone when it came out. Um, And if you rewatch it, it remains one as far as the power behind her positive vibes and just ultimate faith in uh, other people and sisterhood in general. Um, and I, I just thought that whole part of it was fantastic. And even the part about how the whole setup for this movie is her following her ex-boyfriend as, you know, whatever, like that doesn't bother me at all because of the fact that that's every rom-com, you know, almost every rom-com is somebody doing something stupid and besides themselves and beneath themselves, I should say, um, in order to win the person they love, except in this movie, they realize that the person they love the most is themselves and not in a conceited way, but in a, in a way where they actually put the value on themselves instead of the other person. And that's what allows them to find another person who sees that in them in a way that the other person, uh, their ex person didn't. So even that part completely works for me as a journey of self-discovery. Um, there's so much about this movie that works that was kind of uh, su- surprising uh, to rewatch. Uh, the Luke Wilson character... When was the last time we saw a quote-unquote nice guy character that actually was just a good person? Yeah. <laughs> and and totally worked. And because I love the fact that we don't even get to see them have, like, a final, like, kiss or anything like that. Like, um, I'm sorry, but the uh, epilogue with the uh, 
the the text, whatever. Like, there is no cuter capstone to that relationship than us just kind of getting that final wink that they they are a couple with. Uh, he's gonna propose to. Though at the her same time, she's not tonight. defined by her relationship, but by her like her accomplishment. Exactly, yeah. and and I absolutely love that, and um, and for L to go through all of this, what I love is from the very first scene, we are never told as a viewer that she is stupid or you know shallow or anything like that. Quite the contrary. Exactly. Actually, yeah. Like there are even moments in the very beginning when it's hinted that she is super smart, like mm-hmm. when she says she has her four point oh and mm-hmm. whatnot. But it is very easy for her, especially when I was like a child and even as a grown man, to make assumptions when you see some some of the things that happen in the mm-hmm. very beginning, like right. the montage of her getting ready or whatnot. When she dressed down that uh that one uh saleswoman in the in the clothing store yeah. and actually called her out on like mm-hmm. Yeah. Her pitch. And 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 it's great. And so the fact is that she doesn't realize that that's um you know, that that's who she is and that's best she's so much more than what a person tells her she is whether mm-hmm. it's Warren telling her you know she's not serious or the sales clerk demeaning her as you know whatever I mean think about this this came out in 2001 and it, this actually I think is responsible for killing a trope we don't do stories or jokes uh, about dumb blondes like that was a thing for a long time. Yeah, for a long time. And then this movie came out, and I'm not saying there wasn't like a grace period after the movie, but we're not still doing those, and we still, and we now know that that's besides the fact that it's just not cool, but like it's just not funny or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you can't really say that about a lot of as movies. Much, as much as there are parts of this film that seem of its time, even 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 within like the the context of like a a, a rom com. Like it's startlingly progressive. Yeah, it feels it feels like just by just by its central conceit, like it just feels like progressive, even to just like move that character out of that blonde ditzy like sort of stereotype and actually showing like a character that has depth and and an acknowledgement of self worth. Yeah, and you know even some of the things that would kind of have a uh, you know a different not a different. Um, connotation today but certainly time does change everything so it's hard to look at something the same 20 years later than it was back then but the scene in which uh, Callahan makes a pass at her like there are movies today that would somehow still make that moment about him (laughs) Mm -hmm. and yet the moment that happens the scene almost abruptly I would say shifts to the point where it makes sure to have a focus other than obviously some of Blair's character mistaking what's going on, but that's, you know, that's between Elle and her. Um, but there is no possible way to watch that scene and see anything other than a woman standing up for herself and not letting even that moment, um, define who she is. Now she goes through a, you know, a crisis of faith for a moment because, understandably that's a low blow i mean nobody should experience that let alone um be asked to you know continue without a without skipping a beat from that kind of moment but you don't get the sense that he had all the power in that dynamic and therefore that's why she was like quitting it's more just that 
that was like the final straw. Like she had been told all throughout her entire journey that she was not good enough that, you know, whatever. So here now was her actual superior essentially saying that, even if he doesn't think that that's what he's saying, but that's exactly what he's saying. And so that's why I think she decided to quit. And it takes a woman, and I don't think that that's in and of itself a sexist note to, you know, to to display, to basically say for her other professor, who I don't think she actually noticed as much, and I think that was kind of a lesson for her, which is as much as she preaches it and practices it, which is, you know, like female empowerment and sisterhood or whatever, but that, you know, maybe there was another professor there all along that could actually empower you in a way that... Callahan wasn't able to and and so anyway I just found that entire third act to be uh, way more engrossing than I thought it could actually live up to from when I used to watch this movie a long time ago so uh, that particular exchange between uh, L and Callahan obviously where um, he makes a very aggressive pass at her and she rightfully lets him know that this is bullshit i'm leaving see you later fucker uh that's not exactly i think the dialogue that they (laughs) used anyways so what i like about the build-up to that is i feel like that wasn't like something that was hinted at that oh he's like in the background like just trying to only have her there because they're like i remember that being in like a when i watched it for the first time another child like being that like a twist Mm -hmm. like and i feel like that's Mm -hmm. actually a good lesson in male chauvinism which is that so many bad people can basically go about their day-to-day without having everything be about that Mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it that's what they expect i.e behind closed doors literally and metaphorically in this sense yes but he he wasn't even though like the overly nice person who was just like you're right like he is still kind of a dick to her But at the same time, he also has sort of a really good introduction. Like he's a person who thinks she to take her seriously, whatever. So it just felt pretty genuine, actually. Absolutely. And, I mean, in a in a obviously ends up being a bad way for for because that character ends up being a pretty terrible person. But at the same time, it's not like it was built up as he was like a comic book villain or something like that who's just going to show up twiddling his mustache no. trying to make a pass at her. However, so. one of my favorite things about rewatching it was if you actually contrast the two introduction scenes to the two professors, mm-hmm. there is an actual difference in the way that they both quote-unquote pick on Elle Woods, which is that um, I forget what her name is because unfortunately she's not in the movie that often, but the, the one... Holland Taylor's character. Yes, Holland yeah. Taylor's character when she calls on her, she is obviously calling on her because she's judging her, but I don't think for obvious reasons she's judging her because she's a woman, but because of her setup and like, what are you doing here in the school with, you know, everything that's in front of me. And once Elle is not able to uh, answer the question, because she didn't even, she doesn't actually linger on that and then decide to basically embarrass her other than uh, sending her out of the class, which I think is actually a hard lesson to learn. Whereas I do think Callahan is slightly more in the like, uh, I can't remember the exact whatever the first name, but it was slightly of a dismissive, like, oh, yeah, you can sit in the front row and be pretty. Like, you're, you know, whatever. And I don't know. I will say uh, I am. it's hard because I have such a 
strong opinion about bullying, especially from professors or superiors or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, I felt like that was actually the way she spoke about it was actually pretty important in that situation because her saying, for, first of all, her saying something to another student about her leaving is really unprofessional. But at the same time, yeah. her saying the words of, well, I want her to leave until she's actually prepared to be in this conversation is really important because she's not just saying please leave because of that. She's saying, uh, actually, no, you need to like be ready to partake in this class. You are enrolled in. She's also imparting so. the same lesson that I think Callahan will try to teach her in the very first interaction, which is that you have to have thick skin and in mm. order to survive the blood in the water of your, uh, shark peers and now i'm kind of quoting from the musical which i have seen and quite enjoy um but i i I agree in that um yeah there is kind of a weird icky line it's not like quite like whiplash or anything like that but there is definitely some tough love there but it's almost tough love as basically like go do this and then come back you know Mm -hmm. so anyway i'm done with my initial thoughts toussaint um i don't have anywhere near uh as fought out of a um, sort of impression of this film, but I'm just going to try to like take a swing at it. I've never seen this film before, aside from the conclusion, which I usually caught like on Comedy Central when I was like in, I don't know, maybe like high school or like college. It sounds around about that time. Um, and I actually really enjoyed this. I actually found myself to be pretty engaged and pretty invested in the character of Elle just because she seems like you watch it at first and you think that it's going to just like lean into that trope of her just being this ditzy airhead. But really she's actually just a, a very like a very likable, very likable, very empathizable character. Like you want to see her succeed. You, you want to, you, you want her to go to Harvard law school for her own reasons, not just to win back her man. Um, I was maybe, maybe I was the only person that, that picked up on this, but when, uh, Selma Blair's character is introduced with the uh, with the wedding ring. I made a note of like, like the boyfriend had told her about L, and so I assumed like just because like her boyfriend is is her ex, it was coded this way that he seems like the type of guy who would be dating two women at the same time, one that he's being serious with and one that he can't be serious with. That really is more of like his, I, 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 I got that impression from, I, from that sort of that encounter. I see what you're saying. I will say I read it slightly different, which is to say that while I do think he's the kind of guy that would do it, hmm. I think it was more indicative, indicative of the fact that it's a one way street, which is that when he got back together with Selma Blair. She's a serious person, so therefore he would tell her about Elle because she's a punchline, whereas he's not going to waste L's time by telling her about the other because that's a real person and Elle would never be I, uh, you know, interested in hearing about real people. I just thought it was very suspicious with the timeline of they knew each other in prep school and then through undergrad and then they got back together that following summer before they started 
Harvard Law School and got engaged. Yeah. That to me seems like there's shallow white people. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, they could be shallow white people. There or... also is heavy political context behind their relationship together, right? Because he's from a well-known family, and right. so is she. Elwood's just comes from money, right? On the West Coast, right? I, I seriously believe yeah. just with the way that he was talking to her and the way that he addressed her after um, they they broke up. I wouldn't put it past the guy. I don't think it's entirely outside of the realm of possibility that he would do something like that. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I did not interpret that scene that way, but yeah. I can definitely understand that. So yeah. I think it's so cool. Anyway, enough about him. Like the actual <laughs> the actual like social like landscape of Harvard Law School as it's depicted in this was really fascinating to me because it just speaks to um the stereotypes that this this film are playing with are actually really interesting just like not it, it, like who are the kinds of people that go to Harvard Law School, the kind of people that wear genius on their shirt, the kind of people who come from maybe a very uh, highly politicized and very like radical sort of like background. Or maybe there's like just the guys who like my father was a lawyer and my father's father was a lawyer and I'm I really don't know what the hell I'm doing here. But you know what? I was just told to like. Like sit down, eat shit, and smile, and I'll eventually I'll have like a like a multi million dollar like career. I felt like all those those sort of like personalities were sort of swimming in that pool, and how they sort of like began to meld together speaks to how academia just like chews up raw material, like a, a particular type of type of uh, of demographic, a very very particular type of um, social background, and then spits out a very type of product, and how she just did not like meet up to the fodder of what they were looking for, but she was exactly what like the kind of person that could survive and could thrive in that sort of environment. So it speaks to just like how, I don't know, society as a whole, even on like whether on a micro scale of academia or even on a larger sense, just does not know how to really square with um, the true worth of the people that actually inhabit it. And I thought that was really uh, that sort of, really uh really touched me that's what i really enjoyed about the film um, it's almost like harvard has a horrible admissions process <laughs> it's almost as and, and yeah then there's the the whole like her uh harvard admission uh like video and they're talking about uh it's like well you do say that you want more diversity and i'm just <laughs> like yeah there's nothing more diverse than like a blonde white woman. I was like, "That's that's amazing." To be fair, and, and I'm completely in agreement with you. But yeah. I will say, 20 years ago, that joke did land slightly differently. Oh yeah, it, it did. Yeah, in, in the sense yeah. that it, it was, was funny to think of someone like El Woods yeah. going to Harvard and whatnot. But I, I, I'm completely with you. I mean, it's, the idea that that is quote unquote diversity mm-hmm. is pathetic in and of itself. Watching this in a in a post, uh, I can't even remember the name of the actress. The actress who. Uh, was basically running that whole scheme of like getting like her kids. Felicity Huffman? Yeah, Felicity Huffman. Like <laughs> and, in, the, in, um, in the wake of something like that and understanding just and how Lori Lowe's. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. how far the, the, the scales are tipped. Call her Aunt Becky, sorry. And, and how that's that's, that's how she goes by her. many names. And how instrumental <laughs> Especially now. like where you go to school like matters in some cases to your prospects. Like I've We've had a conversation before off, like, Mike, we were talking about how... Oh, yeah, we don't talk about that. We're, you know, 
where you go to school doesn't really matter in a lot of cases with, with the case of like the quality of your education. But in the case of that, it's like more of like the, the social connections and the strata that you actually operate in. And yeah, there's like, it just like, I don't know. It, it really just sort of like activated a lot of my, my sort of um, background thoughts of like academia and how fucked it is as a whole. Mm. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was funny. Um, I thought it was uh, endearing, and yeah, and and I also like the 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 romantic aspect for her, like sort of like finding like somebody who like empowers her in a way that it's it's not looking at her just purely on the sense of like her her physical appearance and really just like believing and and vouching for and actually like putting his own career on the line to 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 uplift her and to give her a like like honestly a part of me could read uh, Luke Wilson's character as asexual. Like, like that's how, <laughs> like, that's how just genuine he is about, uh, as you were saying, empowering her. Yeah. And, and never... Like, he, he doesn't have anything, like, he doesn't want anything out of it. Like, it's just, he seems just like a pretty good guy. And I'm just like, how the fuck did you end up here at Harvard Law School? Because it seems like every other guy is coded to be like looking for something or angling towards something. I'm just like, huh, interesting. Yeah, he does have, a, this is more of a script writing thing than about his character because Luke Olson's character is actually pretty good here, as yeah. you, so you're all saying. But mm-hmm. uh, there is that one time when he's uh, he's trying to pretty much badger the witness when he's trying to ask him all the questions about things and then get him to spill the beans and your boyfriend's his... name is yeah. yeah that was that's not aged well yeah but that's all right i actually thought that was fine oh, really why wouldn't it be i mean in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. like here's the thing the i don't think there is an inherent and okay i'm saying this as a straight white male mm-hmm. which means that what i'm about to say i'm speaking about an experience that's not my own so mm-hmm. take it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. however there, you can have a gay character be what we would call flamboyant, mm-hmm. and it not be, I would say, strictly offensive. If that in and of itself is not what is, and I guess I never thought of him as the butt of the joke because when, especially his boyfriend, when he, you know, I mean, that was, up, I thought that was pretty funny. No, that's what it. But that's yeah. the thing that it was funny because you could say that you could have them be heterosexual and you could still have a couple be upset that the other person was lying about their status. You know what I mean? Like for 2001, like that was actually, I wouldn't say progressive, but that was, I would say, you know, Will and Grace had only been on the air for so many years. And, um, I don't know, rewatching it. I actually thought that that was, that landed almost just as funny as it did back then. Not because it was like, ha ha ha, gay people in the courtroom uh <laughs> so much as it was just a it was very sneaky lawyer tactics and then extenuated by this unfortunate uh squabble between two lovers and i i don't know i just uh maybe the one scene prior to that was definitely dated mm-hmm. um and ill-conceived but still didn't seem malicious which is the one uh you know about her essentially figuring out that he's gay which is because quote-unquote gay men only know designers whereas straight men don't yeah Yeah, however sometimes stereotypes are true for a reason Mm -hmm. i mean 
I'm just saying, I, like, I, I totally agree with you. It's Nick. not like lawyers are not going to use shorthand for uh, essentially. I mean, that's that's what their job, you know. So I don't know. Like, it, it, I, it was weird. Well, it was weird I, how inoffensive I found ninety nine percent of this. Entire I guess I, I I can see like by the standards of when the film came out, like, yeah, I I I. I, I I totally get where you're coming from. I sort of read it in a different way just because, like, I've had people make assumptions about my sexuality just because I happen to know artists, know the name of artists off the top of my head, that I'm able to name writers and directors and stuff like that. What, are you a gay boy? Because you, like, know where things come from? Like, I've... I've had those experiences before. Did they say that in that exact word? No, because they called they me the F word. Yeah, so I decided to, like, ellipse that. So maybe well, that's I... Fair. Maybe I just uh, uh, sort of square that differently, just because how there are, there are assumptions that are loaded within gender and within the performance of gender that precludes uh, people from necessarily being able to be honest about what their interests and what their passions are without them having that weaponized as a part of their identity against them. So, I have yeah. to I have to ask, and this uh, we do not need to really get into this, but. Why was that guy covering? Like, did he just have something with Linda Cardellini's character? That's an interesting question. My guess was if Brooke goes to prison, the daughter gets everything, the inheritance, so therefore he would get paid off. I mean, yeah. that's, that's okay. what I thought was the whole thing. I felt like, like when if, we got if to the Brooke rest- goes back and it's the other way, like, he gets nothing. He's just a pool boy. Yeah. But I thought the idea is that she, when a Cardellini character would have went to him and been like, yeah, I need to frame this person for this, and I also have access to Daddy's trust fund. So okay. that's what I figured. I felt like after the resolution of the film, I thought it was kind of weird that he was trying to be like, no, we had sex. And if this like, was a movie that was essentially hung upon an entire you know, case, yeah. I would probably care. But because the case literally doesn't come up until halfway through the movie... And then just acts as a uh, you know a, a moment for Elle to advance her reputation and her self worth. Uh, I'm totally fine with it. Cool. I'm um, I'm getting cut up on the small details a little bit. Yeah, so. it, yeah. I mean I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Anna, what other other thoughts do you have on this? Well, as I mentioned uh, during watching, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget to mention it, uh, Elle Woods did inspire me to make my resume pink. It's important. So uh, it is not on pink paper and it was not scented, but I incorporated elements of pink because, um, I mean, granted, I finished school much later than Elwood's. Granted, I didn't go to law school, but Mm -hmm. I mean, my frame of reference is like creative, like to be myself, Mm -hmm. yet still professional. Slap some pink on there. Um, So, I mean... You've got a pink water bottle right now. I do. I'm a pink girl. I'm just a pink girl, man. I'm a pink girl. (laughs) And I used to hate pink as a kid. So, um, anyway, um, I mean, this this movie is just so much fun. Like, um, (laughs) please continue. Yes, angry Nick just slammed. I dropped the phone. Sure, the old dropping phone excuse. <laughs> what was that? I don't know what that was. Cowering deer. Nick's, Nick is like, I'm wearing blue. You can't yeah. say that. Now he's a cab. Okay. 
please tell us about your experience with pink. <laughs> Not the Victoria's Secret brand, but just the color. I was going to say that. talk about that too if you want, but the, I don't the, think the, they're. The pop artist who just won't go away. Yeah. <laughs> your listeners want to hear about the underwear brand or the artist. <laughs> Some of them might. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, just this movie means so much to me. Um, I think if anything can inspire you to to work hard and get what you want, even if circumstances like don't turn out the way that you, you want them to, and you still end up being happy and being motivated toward a goal that ends up being about, um, your accomplishments and getting you to where you want to go. I think that is like ace. And, um, as mentioned previously, some things really not that great about this movie, but I mean, still done well. I mean, I definitely remember when I was younger, don't tap those last season Prada shoes at me. And ever since then, I'm like, okay, then no one I date is going to know the kind of shoes that I wear. They're just going to say they're black, which is, f- which is fine. <laughs> like, I think that's true. So yeah, I love this movie. Those are my final thoughts. No. Uh, well, one thing I will say too, okay. really quick is that, um, one thing I love about the structure of this movie is that we get the, the main character's realization of being over the X, basically, much earlier than a normal rom-com. Because technically speaking, even though she gets that fun uh, sign-off with him at the end... There's no moment where like <clears throat> they become a couple again. No, absolutely not. Yeah. But even though we get the, the, the tell-offs uh, scene toward the very end when she literally gets to... Like, he gets to try to win her back or whatever. Even before that, it's after the party which is like the first 30 or so minutes when she finally says i'm never going to be enough for you and for the fact that she that, comes to that realization on her own and yeah just and in the first 30 minutes of it and so that the rest of the movie is actually her wanting to be a lawyer for herself like usually a movie of this kind would save that for the very end and that's what makes the whole callahan thing i think even more powerful which is that she had started on this journey for herself before that point and at when that comes to pass <laughs> Um, that becomes, you know, a, a reminder of why she may have gotten into this in the first place, and therefore those doubts come back to her and whatnot. So I, I just, I do want to applaud the fact that this movie does get that out of the way fairly early on uh, for this kind of template, um, and in, in a way that's also not very like showy. Like she, like um, the way she uh, goes up to her. Uh, Selma Blair and and Warren and says the whole you know hot tub line and like this is so much better than that, like that's the end of her and uh, Warren you know for the rest of the movie even if he tries to win her back like she's never going to take him back and that's kind of what makes his character all the more of a buffoon that he would think that there's still interest there, mm-hmm. um, but I I very much appreciated that upon rewatch so, and I love the growth of the friendship between Reese Witherspoon and Selma Blair. That's one yeah. of my favorite elements of this um, entire film, honestly, um, because we find out in the 
epilogue, as mentioned before, is that that's how we find out that they become best friends. And you can see the growth of them, like, working under Callahan and how he's just so sexist. And Selma Blair also always has to get his coffee and never asks Warren and things like that. And then mm-hmm. they have that common ground and they build from that. And I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Common grounds. Yeah. Also, props to this movie. Cog coffee show. Oh, <laughs> man. I get it now. That's good. Uh, Sorry. Also, props to this movie for never giving Luke Wilson a moment where he confronts Callahan, because that is a crutch that a lot of movies would take in trying to, quote-unquote, empower the female, where a man will then step in and essentially say, that's like, uh, I should say a good man will step in and say, like, that's not right, or punch him, or whatever. What I kind of like is that he's, like, he has his own outrage about it, because he does not agree with that um but it is up to l to essentially you know pull herself together and to be okay with it and it's not because he goes in there and tells him off and whatnot so he's really not connected in any way with her uh path to uh reinvigorating her interest in and 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 determination to finish out her law school career so very much enjoyed that as well i would agree yep Anna, you, you gave us your final thoughts. Do you have a, a rating that you'd want to give for this? Oh, dear. Pretty sure my rating is five out of five. Okay. That's fair. That's a good rating. <laughs> uh, so my final score for this film would be a three and a half out of five. Mm. Is I thought this was still quite good. Uh, I didn't love it, but I also thought it was a very good film that I enjoyed uh, revisiting for the first time in a long time. I... Uh, do think that there are moments in this movie that are pretty dated, but at the same time, a lot of what uh, Anna, Tucson, and Nick have been talking about, and myself too, uh, are, are very much true, is that this is a film that has aged, but a lot of it has aged in a good way, is it is a progressive character who is moving throughout the story and also is just being herself and not becoming anything else for her new environment. I mean, she is and she isn't. Like, she's just procedurally doing the things you need to do to She never compromises herself in her new environment. Because, like, when she wears some of the outfits that she wears after the pink, so to speak, phase. Although, she rocks it in the final courtroom day. Yeah, agreed. I, I... I, I didn't mean to take that away from No, that. I was going to say, and it's funny because looking at, uh, this is certainly not really a coming-of-age story, but if you look at... It's a late coming-of-age story. Yeah. If you look at a comparison between this and something of really this era, uh, as I'm randomly just thinking about right now, which is the movie Lady Bird, uh, when she goes off to college, uh, it's funny because she has almost the exact opposite reaction where she does almost completely conform to all of the tropes and standards or whatever of her new environment, as opposed to when she was very rebellious back in her previous uh, home life uh, across the country in California before moving to New York. Uh, And I, I don't necessarily think that's bad either, but it's interesting to look at the, the differences about that of somebody who, is unapologetically going to remain themselves, whatever that self is. And they also are four years old, 
four years different as someone coming out of high school and someone who's finishing college. So that's a much different time in somebody's life. But at the same time, I think it's still interesting of somebody who is emphatically wanting to be something and then transforming into something different. And there's nothing really wrong with that either. No, so. yeah. And I guess I'll just throw this out there. But Lady Berg's journey is also based around the fact that she wasn't always conscious of how she affected others. Whereas Elle is always being a good person and being a nice person. Well put. So uh, three and a half out of five for me for Legally Blonde. I think it's uh, a very, very good film. Hello. <laughs> I'd like to rate the movie too. You sound like Garth from Wayne's World for whatever reason. Thank you. It's like two as in two or oh, as in... two as in two o o. Okay, cool. As two, in like two, oh, I'd oh. also like to rate it. Okay. What does he say? The gal in the movie is like, "Take me, Garth," and he's like, "Where do we go? It's late <laughs> outside." <laughs> oh, Garth, she meant sex. <laughs> um. <laughs> I give this movie a three and a half out of five as well. I, I think it's it's really, really good, and I'm so glad that we rewatched it because it really did uh, <laughs> hold up better than I thought it would have in a very surprising way. And um, honestly, it's just been so long, and we just don't get this very often where we actually have a protagonist that is a good person. They don't have to learn to be a better person. They just learn that who they are is actually good good enough because it's better than most people <laughs> and that is so refreshing and and so empowering uh to anybody who watches let alone the feminine fe- feminine i should say feminist uh subtext that not even subtext text that is uh, on display that i can't imagine what it would like to watch this back like if if i wasn't a guy and i watched this when i was 10 and whatnot like that that would have been even more off the charts and whatnot. So I, I'm a very, very big fan of this movie. While I don't think that is like perfect by any means, I could see why anybody would love this and or cite this as one of their favorite movies of all time. Hmm. I would give this a three and a half out of five. I really enjoyed it for a first viewing. Yeah, I would probably go back and see it again. That's it. Okay. That's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's all good stuff. Oh man, Devil Wars Prada. I like the Devil Wars Prada. Oh. I've never seen it. I don't think I've oh, ever good. watched Damn. it from it's like so good. start it's to so finish. I thought you I thought you, it, you, you meant that as in, oh good. It's awful. I was <laughs> no, like, whoa no, shit. No, okay, no, no. damn, okay. I meant like, oh, it's so good. That's okay. what I meant. Yeah. Alright. Like uh like Spider Man three, it's so good. Oh, <laughs> In well, gen- that, that we know how we feel about that. In yeah. general, I do not care for Meryl, so and she's actually very good in that. Mm. Uh, and and Hathaway is good, and there's a lot of people. Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt. early, oh, early, early Emily Blunt. I think that's one of her best roles for sure. Um, okay, well, that's maybe. just me. <laughs> no, I mean she's not bad. Fight, fight, fight. No, fight. No, yes, fight. <laughs> Don't tell me no. She's not bad, but uh, her character was pretty limited in that, I thought. So, but, yeah, And she, then they would reunite. And is like, liked her, so <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you being like this, Alex? I'm trying to be that way. No, 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 you're good. I, you're The look you gave Alex, me was pretty good. Alex. Why did I look at <laughs> Anna? <laughs> Alex. How dare you? That's a crackly voice. What? 
Oh, so good. I'm glad uh, we all enjoyed Legally Blonde, and I'm really glad you brought this up, even if it was originally as a joke. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad that we ended I'm up. I'm glad that this came to fruition. Also, yeah. uh, <laughs> I have to shout out this because Dan is going to think this is hilarious, but Dan's uh, wonderful partner, Heidi, brought this up the other day and called us out because we don't do a lot of uh, female-directed movies. Now, it's ironic because this movie is not female-directed. It was uh, The screenplay was written by two women, and it was based off of a book uh, by a female author, um, but it still doesn't quite count. Now, it was funny because I did point out more movies uh, than they had realized that we had done, but it was still not nearly enough as to, you know, our overall, you know, whatever. But anyway, I thus learned that this is one of her favorite movies of all time. So I feel like while it's not quite in the ballpark of what they were rightfully calling us out for and they were not being malicious whatsoever okay. they just kind of pointed it out and i was like no you're absolutely right and then i was like but also look at these and then, <laughs> um but i hope that this is a small olive branch to uh to our listener base because you know what we are for the most part three dudes uh on, a, on an average you know episode and whatnot and so it is nice to always take input from our guests because we should look outside of ourselves. Hmm. Do we do an episode on the lore? Oh, the lore? Like yeah. the? No, we have not. Okay. I mean, we talked about it on the Sundance episode. But yeah. We, yeah, no, we haven't. Okay. Has Toussaint seen that? I don't think so, actually. I have. You have? You have. Is that okay. the one with the, uh, is that the musical uh, mermaid film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have watched that. Okay. We watched it? Yeah, we've watched it. We here. did watch it. We yeah. watched it with Sam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure if we even did an episode you, on that. You, maybe we didn't do an episode, okay. but I think you gave it to me for my birthday. Mm-hmm. But then, like, gave it to me that day mm-hmm. with the intention of like, and we should watch it tonight. And, oh, okay. and that's what we did. Yeah, it was okay. good. Yeah. I liked it. Anyway, it's been a while since I've I seen it. I will say the. I think I've mentioned this before off mic. The Sundance episode is probably my favorite episode you guys have ever done (laughs) like i love it well now we have to go back (laughs) we really should though yeah it's uh it was a good time yeah that that i i described it in detail but that theater experience seeing the lore was uh wonderful you, you don't really get those kind of experiences unfortunately just in real life where you're just like Oh, there are those two people. Oh, and there they are on the screen. And they're just sitting in front of us, like, giggling to each other. Like, ah. I know. They were so uh, excited to watch it. It was it was great. Yeah. So, uh, anyone out there have any thoughts on Legally Blonde? Please send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter at Film Tank Show as well. So, speaking of Dan, he will be joining us on our next episode. Hey! Uh, when we are going to be talking about the film Midnight Run. Yeah! Uh, so, I've actually never seen this, yep. so I'm very excited to uh, check it out and also talk about it with uh, with you guys. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. Wow! It is on the list. Okay. Is is it on? And I I don't know if he has a list like you. I was gonna say I don't know if it's an actual list? concrete list, but it is definitely a movie that if I think he made a list, it would be on it because of how much me and him talk about it. Okay. Uh, so I would definitely say if it's not on the list, it's spiritually on his list. Okay. Yep. 
Well, uh, Midnight Run with Robert De Niro, right? Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin, okay. or Grodin, I guess. Uh, yeah. The guy from Beethoven. <laughs> that's, that's actually where I know him from. Sadly, too. that's where most people know him from, even though he's done much better work and much better movies. Yeah. So, looking forward to that coming up on our next episode. Anna, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, as always. Yeah, we, we always love having you and hanging out and watching movies and talking about movies. So, this is, as always, a lot of fun. So, again, thank you very much. And um, from Anna and Toussaint, Nick, myself, Alex, thank you very much for listening to us here at Film Tank. We'll catch up with you next time.